Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. The future isn't scary, not realizing its potential, however, could be. Just like on the recruiting trail, I've seen potential come in many forms as a coach. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable, too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. You know I've been talking about earned media value for quite some time on this podcast. My friends at Eisenberg have just raised the bar on earned media benchmarks with their social index. Social Index now gives you globally earned media values across a growing list of six geographies for all your KPIs across the top seven social platforms, Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, Snapchat, TikTok, Twitter, and YouTube. You can now visualize these values for deeper analysis, and they have a look-back window over two years of historical comparisons. Social Index is updated daily. Don't get stuck with old data. Over 1,000 companies have used the social index to understand the ROI of their social campaigns. And if you work with a social agency, you should demand they incorporate earned media values into your reports. Get your earned media value for social content. Visit earnedmediavalues.com slash Allen. Again, that's earnedmediavalues.com slash A-L-A-N. This year, like in years past, I'm excited for a partnership with the North American Effie Awards. The Effie Awards honor the most effective marketing efforts of the year, and I will be going behind the scenes with a number of Effie winners from this year's competition. For all of us, it's about predicting where the consumer is going and getting half of it right. One of the things we want to do is create ads that don't suck. Embracing change creates great possibility. I'm Alan Hart, and this is Marketing Today. Hey, I'm uh, Ryan Davis, and I work for Overwatch as the um, Global Marketing Communications Director. So you won an uh, Effie for Overwatch. Congratulations. Tell me a little bit about the campaign Overwatch. Absolutely. Um, so the first thing we did was we had to decide like what makes our game different than the rest of the games in the category. And so Overwatch is this just amazing uh, different universe. It's this bright and optimistic universe with these larger than life characters um, with really rich and diverse backgrounds. And so we decided to really lean into that. And um, so that's kind of the, the first thing that we decided um, was just like what makes us different. And so tell me, you developed these larger-than-life characters and placed them around the world. So yeah, one of the things we did is we created these very large, what we call colossal collectibles. Um, so they're 15-foot, larger-than-life um, versions of some of our characters. And we put them across the globe to sort of like signify like Overwatch is here. Um, and, uh, you know, 
hopefully draw attention to, to our characters um, and get some earned media and attention across, you know, across social media. Um, and uh, luckily it worked. Right. What was the insight behind, you know, creating these larger than life characters? We really wanted to try to get uh, a big impression and, you know, with the fragmented media landscape nowadays, um, you really need to do something that gets above the noise. And so we were just trying to think with our agency partners, like, what could we do that's, you know, inherently Overwatch um, and really, you know, lean in on the characters and, and what makes us different. And um, came up with these larger-than-life action figures and um, just it went from there. Were there key decisions about that? I mean, in terms of why you picked to do those larger-than-life characters versus, you know, you could do traditional advertising? Well, we did do plenty of traditional advertising, too. Um, and I think that's the thing. It's uh, the, the overall campaign is very sort of integrated across all different mediums. But we felt like we still needed to do some things that were really going to get attention and, and, you know, sort of what we call stunts, you know, and get some um, attention that you wouldn't get normally. So when you took this idea of putting these larger-than-life characters all around the world and you, you were in... Um, what cities were you in again? Yeah, we were in Busan, Korea, um, Paris, France, and Hollywood, California. So did you have to convince the upper management team that this was a good idea? Or? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It, was, um, it wasn't easy. Um, but, you know, I, the, everybody at Blizzard, you know, I think we're all gamers. Um, everybody's, you know, really enthusiastic about doing stuff that we really think is cool and that the players will love. And um, I think once everybody saw this, they just couldn't not do it. They all really wanted to do it. So the, that leap of faith that this was a good idea wasn't that big of a leap? It was still a big leap. I mean, that's a lot, you know, it was, wasn't cheap to make, you know, 15 foot tall action figures um, with, you know, packaging surrounding them. Um, they weighed like, I can't even remember how much, but it, it took a crane to put them down on, on the places they were going. And we had to ship them around the world because we built them all in, in Los Angeles. Um, so it was a, a logistical undertaking for sure. So I mean, it wasn't um, an easy decision to make, but I think everybody felt like this was going to get us, like really send off uh, Overwatch's launch in a way that will really get attention and, um, and feel right. So gamers, it's a fairly solitary activity, like sitting behind the game unless you're connected with other people. Yeah. But you chose to put these experiential statues, if you will, of the characters of the game out into the real world. What drove that? We really wanted to find a way to break above the noise. And, and one of the things we kind of learned, we actually learned this on a previous campaign for World of Warcraft, where we did a, we did a giant taxi cab in New York City um, in Times Square with an ax going through it. Um, and we discovered that what ends up getting spread around is the picture, and the picture is worth, you know, so much more online than it is for the actual people that are showing up to the, you know, to the actual experience. Um, so that's really what you're after, is you're trying to get all those people online who can't be there to, to be a part of it, and usually they're a part of it through the, you know, the press that show up or, you know, people that just, you know, snap a tweet or an Instagram of it. So that's why we chose um, to do these experiential things, because we found that we really think that they um, can get above the noise and be something really different. You know, when you're looking through your social media feed, 
and you see a giant colossal collectible, you know, in Paris or in Busan or you know on Hollywood Boulevard, you know, um, that's that that'll catch your attention, and so that's that's why we decided to go that route. So for Overwatch, did you um, did you announce that these characters were going to be there, or did you just put them there and hope that people would discover them and start talking about them? Yeah, no, I, the, the, the idea was that hopefully people would discover it and we would see what happened from there. I mean, you know, we did invite some influencers and people like that um, and just kind of give them a heads up that, it, that you know, something was going to be going on down there, but we didn't tell them what. Um, and then so obviously they, when they went down there, they, they, you know, they sort of took it and ran with it. So. And, and why the three cities? Um... Yeah. So we wanted to choose, again, so that it felt like it would really get um, good coverage uh, you know, in social media and in press. We wanted to make sure we picked iconic locations. So we picked Hollywood Boulevard. Um, you know, obviously, Hollywood's cool because there's a map, Hollywood map in the game. Um, so the, and that one's right in our backyard, so we could get our devs down there and they could, they could see it too, which was really cool. But we worked with our regional offices to decide where they wanted to put theirs. So um, our regional team in, in France decided that they wanted to put it in, um, in Paris because they felt like that's a really iconic location for them and, um, and would work really well with their audiences. Um, and then the Korean um, team decided they wanted to do Busan because they had this very big event that they were putting on and that made sense to put the, the statue there. It was like a big sort of anchor point for the, for the um, whole event that they were doing there. So when we think about game development, it takes a really long time to bring a game to market. Mm -hmm. When do you start seeding the market that a game is coming? You know, it can start up very early. And I think with this, with this campaign, we sort of identified these three major segments. We, we, we identified it as sort of the hardcore um, and we identified um, that there would be these sort of people that are into FPSs um, and are veterans to the FPS market. Um, and then we also identified, you know, just the more casual gamer that we thought would, would make, you know, sense to target for this game. So that, er that first audience, you know, where you're really capturing them is like getting them into the beta, um, trying to give them opportunities to get their hands on at like events like BlizzCon or PAX East. Um, so that they can start to become evangelists for your brand. Um, and then veterans, we hoped to get them in and the open beta. So, you know, because we really felt like as soon as you get players' hands on this game, that they really got behind it. Um, early testing showed that if a player actually tried Overwatch, their purchase intent went up, like, significantly. So that was sort of our overall strategy for, for the campaign is we got to get their hands on the, the actual game. Um, show them, don't tell them. Let them decide if Overwatch is for them and then get their hands on it and try it out. Overwatch was your first first-person shooter. Um, you know, how did you convince your core hardcore gamer community that knows you that this was something they should try? I think that the most important thing was, again, that sort of the idea of like, let's show them, not tell them. Let's get their hands on the game. Let's show them these animated shorts of these characters with these rich um, and diverse backgrounds, um, and let them decide if they, you know, if they felt like this was a game they wanted to try. But then give them the opportunity with um, a, a big open beta um, and an opportunity to actually try it out for themselves. So, what about the campaign? Was there anything that surprised you going through that process? 
so yeah, I think one of the things that surprised me during the campaign was just how much passion the fans really had. Um, this Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. So we kind of built out uh, phases for our launch. Um, we identified different segments of, of players um, and in identifying those segments, um, one of the things we did was just like arm the, the arm the players themselves or empower the players themselves to uh, be able to make their own cosplay of the characters very early on. So some of the really hardcore fans um, were able to start making cosplay like early on of our characters, even before the game was out of closed beta. And we would see them um, show up at various events and things like that before the game had even launched. And so it's really exciting to see how much the community gets involved if you just like empower them to be able to do that and how much passion they had for the game and its message, this bright and optimistic future. I'm sure you had a team behind you. How did they, what, what was that team like and, and what role, how, how did that all work out? Yeah, so we had, um, obviously we have all of our global, you know, integrated teams within um, Blizzard uh, who, who helped out on everything. Um, so like, for example, with the, you know, with Uberwatch, when we did that at PAX East, they were able to make sure that we got influencers to come be a part of that um, and take a ride in the Lamborghini with Tracer and um, or a ride with 76 in the giant F650 um, or a ride with Diva and the little Prowler um, car that was decked out in her whole kit. Any, anything we did, there was always some piece where we were trying to, um, you know, in, get influencers involved or get cosplayers involved. Um, so, you know, that's kind of one of the big ways that the team helped. Um, and then obviously our global teams, um, they, they helped to integrate it across the globe so that this really felt like a truly integrated global campaign. So transitioning a little bit, yeah. how do you think about marketing effectiveness? How would you define that? So the thing that I think is important about, at least the way we think about it at Blizzard, is um, we're building a relationship with, with our players and with our fans that we want to be long-lasting. So we want to be really genuine and listen to them and collaborate with them. Like, if we hear on the forums of something that they're really just not liking about the game, then the de developers will actually adjust for that. And um, I think that that's, that trust that you build is really the thing that's going to create a long-lasting, um, you know, relationship with your with your players. And 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 I think that that at the in the end of the day is actually good for your business too. So. So you, you know, not to put words in your mouth, but you define marketing effectiveness as creating that higher level engagement with the people that play the game. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, we want to we want to be 
with them, you know, beyond this game's launch, right? We want to be able to keep keep having things that, you know, interacting with them down the road with Overwatch, you know? So transitioning a little bit mm -hmm. just to you, I like to talk about the marketer behind the, behind the scenes. Okay. Um, you know, was there a moment in your, you've reached success in your career already, um, and was there a moment in your life that, that made you who you are today? One of the things that really stuck, sticks out in my mind right now is uh, I worked on another campaign for Blizzard um, where we had uh, commercials with Mr. T and several other celebrities. Yeah. And I actually didn't work at Blizzard at the time yet, I still worked at an agency. We made this commercial with Mr. T, and, and uh, I was invited down to Blizzard has these show and tells with their employees where they show all the stuff that they're working on, all the internal teams, so that the one team's working on one thing, they can see what the other team's working on. And um, I was invited in to, to be there when they actually showed this commercial that we had made with Mr. T. And just to hear the reaction of everybody in the audience was just so uh, awesome, you know, and just to know that, like, I mean, these are the hardest critics. These are the guys that make the game, you know, and they like the commercial. And I was like, okay, I think I'm doing something right. I think that this is actually going to work. What's your favorite part of the job besides meeting Mr. T? <laughs> <laughs> well, that was pretty awesome. That was a huge highlight. I think my favorite part of the job is is just, you know, being able to tell these stories and um, and engage, you know, with the players. Being able to see how this is, how, the, how these games that we work on actually like make changes in their lives or at least, you know, enrich them in some way. Um, and I think that's really rewarding. Most marketers I talk to are students of the craft, mm -hmm. right? And I wonder if there's brands that you follow or that you think other people should be taking notice of. I, I follow most of the major movie studios. I follow most of the other gaming properties, um, sports properties. But I think, you know, brands like Apple, brands, um, some of the brands that are sort of, you know, changing things now, um, like Tesla or SpaceX, or um, I also think even just watching like companies like Progressive and Geico, like they're constantly doing things on TV and it's interesting to see what's working and what's not, um, you know, all the major CPG brands. Um, but so I, I watch a lot, I guess, is kind of the, the way I would put it, but yeah. So I'm curious, what do you see as the most um, biggest opportunity for marketing today? Yeah, I think one of the biggest opportunities is kind of one of the things I said before is like really building this this relationship with your with your customers, especially as the media landscape is fragmenting more and more. You're going to have trouble reaching people. Um, so I think you have to look at this as a long-term relationship and really build that out and not just a one-off purchase, you know. Um, because I feel like if you do, then they're more likely to, you know, want to continue to interact with your brand um, and, and, you know, be interested in the products that you come out with down the line. But what about challenges? You talked about this fragmentation of trying to reach these Yeah, people. yeah. What well, there's, you know, I, I think it's, a lot of the, the demos that we were working with are, you know, targeting are, um, you know, very young and they're, there's like, it depends on where you look, but it's like 40 to 60% ad blocking. There's cord cutters everywhere. It's like trying to figure out ways to reach people is becoming increasingly, increasingly harder. Um, so that's why I think you have to get creative about what you do that you know gets attention and gets in front of them and builds awareness and, um, and, and 
you know, catches their attention. What do you predict for the future of marketing? Um, <laughs> I don't know if I have a prediction <laughs> for the future, but um, I, you know, I think uh, obviously it'll evolve. I think it always evolves. So I think that's the, the my that's my crystal ball, right. uh, which is not really that all that insightful. But <laughs> do you think experience uh, or fan engagement in your business line of business is that? Where do you see that going anywhere in the future? We definitely see that you know more and more you want to, and the reason I say you want to establish this relationship is because then if you have um, you know another game down the line that you want players to try, they're more likely to try it. Overwatch was the first new IP for Blizzard in 18 years. Wow. Um, and we had never made a shooter before. Um, but one of the highest things um, you know behind purchase intent was um, just the fact that, that it was a Blizzard game. So I mean, you really—it's hard to put a value on that, you know. So it's—it's. It's, um, I think it's important to to maintain that relationship and maintain that genuine relationship too. Well, thank you for sitting down with me today. Definitely, thank you. Marketing today is brought to you by Atomic. Atomic focuses on unleashing the growth potential for clients we serve. Atomic is a strategic consultancy specializing in business, marketing, brand, and innovation. Our singular goal is to help you accelerate your efforts with the right mix of expertise, analysis, and creativity. Check us out at atomic.com. A-T-O-M-C-K.com. Hi, it's Alan again. Marketing Today was created and produced by me with project management by Sarah Williams, audio production by Aaron Campbell, writing and editing by Kevin Greeley, social media support by Megan Woods, art and graphic design by Sarah Dell. If you're new to Marketing Today, please feel free to write us a review on iTunes or your favorite listening platform. Don't forget to subscribe and tell your friends and colleagues about the show. We love to hear from listeners at info at atomic, A-T-O-M-C-K dot com. I'm Alan Hart, and this is Marketing Today. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.